the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Good evening. I'm Kim Reynolds, governor of the great state of Iowa. Like you, I just watched the president's address. I listened as the governor of our state, as a mom and a grandmother of 11, who's worried our country is on the wrong track. We're now one year into his presidency, and instead of moving America forward, it feels like President Biden and his party have sent us back in time to the late 70s and early 80s when runaway inflation was hammering families a violent crime wave was crashing our cities and the soviet army was trying to redraw the world map and welcome back everybody as we roll into the second half of armchair politics our weekly roundtable on the tom sumner program joining me for today's edition of armchair politics our panel of political pundits includes on the left flint's premier political pundit paul rosicki paul welcome back always good to be here and on the right longtime genesee county republican henry hatter henry welcome back to you as well thank you tom and always a treat when we're joined by former um government official uh, under two presidential administrations, Mark Everson. Mark, welcome. Thanks so much. Um, I I mentioned uh, before we we ended the the part one of armchair politics that we were going to come back and talk some more about uh, about the president's speech last night. And I opened the hour with uh, the opening from uh, Kim Reynolds' uh, uh, Republican yeah. response last night. And, you know, I always look forward to those for a couple of reasons. One is, if if we were stuck because nobody knew what was going to go on with uh, Ukraine and what the president was going to say in his State of the Union message, the opposition party is always completely in the dark about what what they're going to say and they have to try and figure out a way in advance to counter and what ends up happening and and it's kind of funny because it's kind of the same thing every year whatever parties in the white house will come out and say everything's great and it can be better if you do my stuff right And, (laughs) and then there's and then there's the response, which is the guy who just made a speech is wrong about everything, and here's why. <laughs> that's pretty much true. And, yeah. and that's exactly what I saw last night. Yeah, 
The only thing yeah. that was the only thing that was different, and and this is is unusual, um, because there was this sense of of everybody rallying around the Ukrainian people. Well, um, th- it's a tough assignment to give the response. Is what I would oh yeah say. oh yeah it and, is. Um, and I would, you know, there's some notable flubs here. Uh, I think it was Marco Rubio who was perspiring heavily and drinking <laughs> yeah, water. I remember that one, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, you know, it, Bobby Jindal went down in flames. and You know, so it, 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 it vets, it has a certain vetting process. But I thought she was terrific. I, I thought she so, lo- too. I To be honest she, with you, she, she looked was great. great. She, was, she was measured. Her language wasn't incendiary it was yes. very matter of fact yes. and, and i don't think she could have done a better job with the assignment and uh she seemed you know she's this is a woman who's i i had to look this up but she's in her early 60s and she's you know she's at speed she's not some 38 or 40 year old uh, ambitious wannabe she's she comes across just great and uh she's a I think she was a brilliant choice for the party to sort of uh, give, deliver the the counter, if you will. She 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 was called a rising star in the Republican Party. Do you think she's got ambitions beyond uh, beyond Iowa? Who knows? I mean, you know, well, she, and, she, and it doesn't might... hurt that she's from Iowa. Of course, and, and, and <laughs> yeah. that's right. And, yeah, no. Let's say this: there'll be a bunch of Republican candidates who will be courting favor with her. You know, yeah, true, probably is true. Probably, there, she probably got some very nice, very flattering emails this morning. You know, that's what I would say. Uh, and and you know, she she's the kind of person. Well, look at Nikki Haley. I mean, look at look at what happened to her. She she did uh, did very well off of similar circumstances. And uh, but I just think this what what she what Reynolds did last night was different because of the way she appealed to the moms and the educational issue. She just ran through a list of things that is, is I, I watched a little of this uh, analysis afterwards, and as someone said, it was the playbook. It's the playbook for the midterm. People have criticized Republicans, I think, to some degree correctly for not saying what, you know, what they really stand for on the upcoming midterms. Well, she just wrote the text, is what I would tell you. Yeah, well, I, you I, know, I, th- I thought she was tremendous. Um, Mark as well. I, I thought she. It, it is a tough gig. Well, you know the irony is, guys, and I don't know whether you pay as much to this uh, as I do, but the the whole world is watching our um, our positions and our responses, and show just how disaggregate we are, and how unresolved and our lack of the ability to work together, and to have a a common consensus to our our um, views and action toward the conflict in Ukraine. And uh, the first person comes out and says, this is how we're going to do it. The next American says, he said everything wrong. <laughs> I'm sure that the, the Russians love that, and so do all of our enemies. But somehow we need to, at times of crisis, we need to present a united front toward something like Roosevelt had in 1941. To this point, Henry, it's a, 
I was on the phone with a, a friend of mine, former colleague from the Reagan days, who's who's a very uh, sophisticated, articulate, uh, you know, foreign policy guy, and he was saying this is the first time that uh, America hasn't rallied behind its leader in an international crisis. It's a very, it's a significant departure point because if you think about right or wrong, people get behind the president when there's an overseas problem. And Biden, at least so far, has not, uh, people have not rallied his cause. And that is noteworthy and somewhat disturbing uh, in its own right, I would say. It's disturbing to me because the first thing I said to you guys that I am American first because I will survive no matter who becomes president. I'll survive the same way with no differences. So I have to be American first. I don't have a dog in everybody's fight and don't want a dog in everybody's fight. I am, secondly, a black American and, thirdly, a partisan. So, guys, uh, uh, that's how I feel about it. A lot of us don't. We'd rather be partition us down until we subdivide ourselves out of existence. You know, Mark is right. If you think about after the, the Persian Gulf War and the 9-11, both Bushes, their ratings went up dramatically shortly after those events. And right. Biden's is still, what, 37%? I heard the other day is approval rating, so it's dismally low. And what yes, was it? Yes, but that, doesn't that impact our way to uh, find a solution? It might. No, you're right, Henry. Yeah, yeah. We need to cautiously uh, put things together and sometimes out of the sight of the enemy. Well, it's very interesting. Again, watching last night, I I was turning the channels a little bit, and I was watching the Fox analysis, and a fellow I know quite well, Harold Ford, who was a congressman from Tennessee, uh, uh, Democrat, and he was was, on the Fox panel. He's the Democrat on the Fox panel. Yeah. He was saying he felt the president missed an opportunity to single out some members, senators or others um, on the Republican side and others and say, hey, I need you, Marco, to step up and work across the aisle or make a suggestion or something. Mm -hmm. And he felt the president should have been more aggressive in in this regard of of saying, hey, this is a time when we do need to work together and sort of call out some people. And I. I think that was that's an strategy. interesting that's point. Strategy. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, and, like that. and that's and that's a brilliant read on uh, the situation because Biden's skill set lends itself to that. That yeah, yes. that's his that's his style. That's true. By the way, yes. did anybody see the story that uh, that Joe Manchin sat with the Republicans last night? Yeah, yeah he sat next to Roger Wicker. Yes, he was, he was. I saw a picture of it at one point in the speech. He was right next to Roger Wicker, who was the senior senator from down here. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, he all from what I heard, all he said was it was a sign of bipartisanship, and it wasn't like he was joining the Republican Party or anything. What, but was a little well, unusual. Do you, do you think that was by choice, Paul, or wouldn't any of the Democrats sit with him? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that was the issue. I don't know. Yeah, he had to build the penthouse for him. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be we're Mississippi's going to invade West Virginia. It's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The um, one of the things that that I had on on my list, and I don't know what the status is now, because maybe it may have been a day or two since uh, since I wrote this up, but Ukrainian staff of the U.S. Embassy in Kiev are asking the State Department for urgent help as their country comes under attack by Russia. In a letter sent Thursday to department leadership, the locally employed staff asked for immediate answer and action on issues like evacuating the country and securing visas to the U.S as there is no safe place in Ukraine anymore. The letter sent on behalf of hundreds of locally employed staff and, and seen by CNN said they had not received adequate answers or communication from the State Department. Um, staff were, uh, locally employed staff were woken up by the sound of exploding bombs in multiple cities around Ukraine. The situation is critical and our questions remain unanswered, they wrote in the letter which was first reported by foreign policy. Why are they still there? Mm, well those are local those are local people and the the problem this goes back to Afghanistan. And yeah, it does. I, it, what we did in Afghanistan was unconscionable because of it's not the Americans. The Americans were always going to get out one way or the other if they wanted to. That that that's a line that the that nobody could could uh, cross and failing or fail to enforce. But the the tens of thousands of people who worked for us directly, and it goes beyond the embassy. It's the translators, the intelligence, the people, all sorts of folks that we left behind. They'll be mm -hmm. coming out of Afghanistan and their families. For, for years, I, I have a, a foster daughter, a Cambodian, a Cambodian foster daughter, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, from when I was the deputy at the INS. I met Amrong in the Philippines in 1987. In 1987, we were still taking people out of Southeast Asia, which was, you know, 75, 12 years later. And that will be the case with Afghanistan. So what you're getting at, Tom, is I hope the administration has learned something from the abject failure to protect those who have been with us. Because if not, it will be impossible to get people to work for us or with us in places that are that are in some ways contested. Yeah, true. Well, one of the things that I, um, I, that I wanna talk a little bit about is um, the president of Ukraine, a lot of people have been acting like, you know, as this thing was heating up, like, like he was not up to the challenge. But I think he's been surprisingly effective as yes, a spokesperson has, right? and yeah. leader of, of his people. And I think the reaction of uh, Ukrainians... Um, is is worthy of some discussion, but we're bumping right up against the break here. So before we get started into that, I'll give sure. everybody a couple of minutes to think about that and and let's let's talk about and and analyze who are the winners and losers so far in this uh, in this conflict in Ukraine. Um, if you're listening to us on uh, WFOV, our voices radio in Flint, uh, ninety. Uh, 2.1 FM. Um, they are a broadcast service of uh, the Flint 
Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. 
But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Mark Everson. And uh, I, I think we'll turn our attention back to, uh, to Ukraine. Um, I, you know, I mentioned last week, and, and I have had this... Uh, this feeling all week since last week's uh, armchair politics that as I'm watching, whether it's CNN or Fox or MSNBC or, or any of the uh, the broadcast uh, networks, um, that you know, I, it's it's so easy to fake what's being presented that I kept thinking about wag the dog. <laughs> yeah. And I I see that a lot. I had I had to I I had to watch the I had to rewatch Wag the Dog over the weekend because I just I just kept thinking about how they they faked a war in this movie. And as I'm watching some of these things because some of the things that I'm seeing depicted and covered by the media are are just so um just weird and and one of those things are these broken down russian tanks and transports some that that aren't even making it into ukraine before they have to be towed back in into the base for repairs um i you know i'm watching this stuff and i'm thinking is this real is this the state of the russian military that is so frightening to everyone. And then the fact that Ukrainian city, city dwellers with whatever weapons they can get their hands on are doing a fair job <laughs> at holding the Russian army yeah. back is, I, I don't know if that's, you know, just waiting for, the, for another shoe to drop or if there's... Um, a bigger story here. Well, the Russians are targeting schools and hospitals, and that scares the heck out of the population, you know. Um, and uh, But they're infected. Whether their equipment is good or not, they're doing something to to scare people to death who live there. And we, know, we have over 100,000 people who have left for Poland right yeah. now. I'm struck by the, the fact, I wonder if, if Putin hasn't overplayed his hand in at least two ways. On one hand, he's strengthened NATO in a way that they hadn't been for, for quite a while. And he's probably unified Ukraine in a way that hadn't been for a while as well. Yes. It's uh, raised that, uh, I mean, Ukraine was divided in, in, in many ways historically, too. But they've now become much more unified, and so is NATO. So I, uh, as I say, I think, I wonder if Putin's overplayed his hand with this kind of thing in some ways. So, to this point that you're raising, Tom, um, let me just say, I, I was in Turkey in, in, during the first Gulf War and um, working for a U.S. business overseas, and I'd just gotten there. And this was the birth of CNN, really. 
and it was uh, CNN International. And then what they would do is they would replay every 20 or 30 minutes some footage that they had from the war. But it was considered a dramatic development, and it had a huge impact on how people felt about what was going on. Thomas Friedman wrote a column a few days ago about this is the first war that is being covered by social media and people using their phones and mm. showing things right. instantly. And the impact, it's, the impact of that is profound. Uh, look, the, 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 I'm sure that uh, war is sloppy. And if you have a 40-mile convoy, stuff's going to break down and do horribly. But it's now being recorded or if old ladies are being slaughtered that's yeah. being recorded so it is uh one of the real changes as as someone said the difference between this and 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 uh just when we went into uh, iraq the second uh, the second time is it's night and day because of because of the change in technology so i i think that that's another oh another dimension of this that perhaps was not entirely uh foreseen by by putin if you will and, it, and i think it's it's real because it doesn't it doesn't go away and it re reinforces the uh the western resolve if you if you will uh the other thing i'd say is going back to you you, you teed up Zelensky. yeah he, he um what he did uh apparently last thursday night when he called into uh, the eu i think it was an eu conversation he changed world history in that conversation because he he said to the leaders of places like germany uh, countries like germany he said what are you talking about here we're we're dying because we have signed on to your western european values and we are fighting and dying for that right now so help us and that that changed the world overnight. It was it was uh, just the next day or two maybe two days later that Germany said, "Hey, we're going to start spending two percent of our over two percent of our GDP on the armaments, which they resisted for years." And they led the charge to stiffen the sanctions with SWIFT and other things. It just a, a remarkable turnabout, and perhaps it would have happened as it's things worsened, but he stood up and was a galvanizing force when the world needed it. And, you know, he, he had a, a quote that I, and I can't remember when this, uh, I, I don't know in context where this came up, but reportedly he said, um, we need guns, not a ride. Yes, <laughs> I saw that Right, and, yeah, this is, and this is, this was a reference to an American statement that if he needed to get out, we'd get him out. And I, I you know, maybe it was self-serving to some way, to some extent, to for him to reveal that because I don't, I'm not sure it was publicly stated by the Americans. But clearly, you know, the 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 Americans, we were all upset that Donnie cut and ran in Afghanistan. He he has been very adroit, Zelensky, at at. at standing firm, and yes, that quote was powerful, very powerful. Yeah, he will go down with the ship. He's standing with his people. Uh, there was an article last week said that he was prepared to exit the country, 
but that was not true. And, you know, what, and Tom, you did mention, who are the winners and losers in this whole scenario? But let me offer this to you. One of the sad ironies uh, with the invasion of Ukraine and the incredible world demand for oil, for industrial use, and for domestic use, as uh, these activities uh, drive climate change, will, will the world limit global time rise to 1.7 degrees Fahrenheit by 2050, as we have agreed? The, the, remember, the oceans are rising. You say, who are yeah. the losers and winners? It, then it's all of it. It's everybody that's because of this. Well, I was thinking specifically in the, in the, uh, the invasion of uh, Ukraine, Henry, um, because I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like um, Vladimir Putin is getting smaller every day. Yes, he is. Uh, that that goes with my comments, but he will pay dearly for that because, in uh, uh, the rest of the world, will pay as well. Not that they can do and, anything and about Zelensky, it. And Zelensky, who everybody, you remember when everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people would poke fun at the fact that Ronald Reagan had been in show business before right. becoming yeah. governor and then president of the United States. Even even the line in the, the movie Back to the Future when he says, well, who's the president? And he says, Ronald Reagan. And he says, the actor? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. like he, and, and people made fun of that. But, That's true. You know, but he turned out to be a pretty good leader. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and I think the same thing is happening with Zelensky. I think everybody... Um, a, a lot of people thought, well, he was a comedian, so, you know, we shouldn't take him seriously. But yet he has really stepped up in a lot of ways. My, my point here is that war has, has uh, consequences from which we will all suffer. Well, I, I think that's true. And I would also say the, the, the just accident I mean, of... Uh, or versions of timing of the State of the Union and this invasion, it, it's kind of resulted in we're all celebrating the fact that Ukraine didn't roll over. But the blunt fact is that uh, Putin is determined, he is reckless, and he will crush the Ukraine in yes. short order. It will if and in a very uh, horrible way, unless there's an escalation, a dramatic escalation on the, on the, uh, on the western side. And there are just too many Russian troops there to not have uh, great, great damage. And, it, and we've all been so excited, and, and I think rightly so, that the West has turned on this, uh, and the long-term long -term might be okay, but this is going to get worse before it gets better because the guy's yeah. not going to suddenly say, okay, geez, I didn't think you guys, this was all a big bluff. I'm turning around now. That's just not his style. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. What, you know, what, what, what strikes me is that even if he's successful, if he takes over Ukraine in some fashion or another like Belarus, the bottom line is he's still going to have NATO on his border. I mean, it would have changed one country, but the big picture still is relatively the same as it has been all the way along. And if, even from Putin's point of view, uh, 
does that solve this problem? I don't know. I don't see what he what what large gain he has. I can understand he gains Ukraine, but the, the, the bigger picture remains pretty much the same. And remember, a couple months, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about if he moves those troops and and surround uh, Ukraine, uh, he will not walk away uh, without firing a gun, a shot. Well, yeah, that was every, inevitable. Yeah, yeah, everybody that was knew inevitable. that was everybody knew that was coming. But um, and and I think Mark's right. We're all you know kind of celebrating that um, that Ukrainians didn't yes. just you know um, throw their hands up and surrender. That they they they're fighting back and trying to hold on to their homes and their property and um, and and that. They weren't the pushovers that Putin thought they would be, and and I I have the same concern that Mark raised that um, you know okay it's it's fun and a little bit funny that that Putin didn't just walk right over Kiev for example, um, but that's Custer's last dance. But that's that just that's just going to yeah. make him yeah more resolved and more determined and and he does have the power to for this to turn for this to turn really ugly here's what i would say this is ugly already thomas what i would say fair and and and, um putin is not going to cut and run here it will be very uh difficult to get this into a position where he has what you know people calling off for him if there's a silver lining here um it is that the chinese are watching this and they are saying well maybe it's not as easy to divide and conquer and push these guys around as we thought Good and point. maybe yeah, they will, Taiwan. exactly yeah. maybe they will uh even if this is results in the dismemberment of Ukraine or the loss of tens of thousands of lives, it, it may uh, have a, a salutary effect on, 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 you know, what happens in Asia. Yeah, it's, um, what I keep wondering is, from all accounts, Putin does not want Ukraine to become part of NATO. What's stop? True. What's stopping NATO from letting Ukraine in? Yeah. yeah. You know, it seems like that would yeah. be that that'd be the next uh, the next big chess move would be to um, dot the i's and cross the t's and and make Ukraine a uh, a NATO member. But it well, probably they, has something to do with that oil line that comes up through. <clears throat> Ukraine north northeastern Ukraine feeds the uh, the oil demand there in France and Germany. Well, if you put it Ukraine and NATO, then we have the obligation to defend it militarily. Right. Yeah, and that is that's a since the Russians are already in there, I don't know how you how you pull that off. But um, I I think look, the Ukraine made noise about wanting to be in NATO, and 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 there wasn't a stomach to do that now. Times have changed, but I don't think the answer here is to just expand NATO 
to every place that Europe has a border with Russia. Um, it's it's there is a case to be made that the, the West did to some degree just blindly go on and increase NATO membership when when what was happening was um, some of these countries were becoming more pro-Western and everything else. So it's it's got to take uh, very calculated decisions here. But what's happening now, which is which is great, is that the West, including look, including places like Sweden and Switzerland, are are changing how they're looking at all this, and they're afraid. And the this has happened at just the right time. Look, I'm a I'm 67. My parents are they're gone, but I grew up. It, it, with discussions about World War II, and and they were not nearly as important, I'm sure, as people who are my age who had those discussions if they were living in Europe, in Germany or Austria or or Poland, where places where the war was fought. So um, this is they have real memories because of family members of what Hitler did before, and and this has come at a time where it's still possible, I think, to save the West. It's going to be a very bumpy ride, though, I would suggest. Any other, uh, any other comments on uh, Ukraine? What, what about you, the one other thought I have is that even, if, even if, if, if Russia is successful, they're going to be sitting on top of a very, very uh, uh, rebellious country. And... Uh, I mean, I wonder if it's in, what wouldn't be like Afghanistan, where yeah, okay, they've conquered it, sort of, but it's it's not going to be a comp, comp, compliant a population, I don't think, even <clears throat> even after they conquer. Well, what the Russians will the more, more more likely do is plant Russians into that part of the country and make them citizens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then they hard to. Yeah, they can't digest this. It's, it's it's just it would make Afghanistan seem like child's play. Yeah. Well, let's see. One one more thing I can squeeze in here before we uh, before we go to another break. The chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia on Friday told the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th riot that the Trump campaign had directed the party in 2020 to put forward an alternate slate of electors after then-President Donald Trump lost the state's vote, according to a person familiar with the testimony. The Trump campaign's direct involvement in efforts to put forward so-called fake slates of electors in multiple states after Biden's win was previously reported by CNN, but it was not yet known if anyone involved had spoken about the campaign's directions to investigators. The fake electors effort now is now seen by the committee as a political disinformation tactic used to sow doubt in Joe Biden's win before the January 6, 2021 Electoral College vote certification in Washington 
Uh, CNN previously reported that Trump outside lawyer Rudy Giuliani and the Trump campaign had been involved in organizing illegitimate elector slates in seven states. David Schaefer, chair of the GOP in Georgia, served as one of several bogus electors for Trump and had convened Republicans in the state's capital to put together an alternate elector certification in December of 2020. He also was a plaintiff in a long-shot legal attempt for Trump to overturn the election in Georgia. The scheme ultimately didn't work, and then Vice President Mike Pence certified the election results in January last year when the congressional session reconvened after being interrupted by a mob of pro-Trump rioters. Should this lead to preventing former President Donald Trump from being eligible to run for president in 2024? Hmm. I don't have a dog in that fight, guys. Uh, it's disgraceful, but... Um I was just thinking, what, what legal basis are we talking about here? I mean, it's, I suppose I can think of some possibilities, but what would be the legal reason? Yeah, the Congress took that decision, Tom, when it didn't convict uh, Trump in the second impeachment because it yeah. could have then gone on to bar him from holding office, and it didn't do that. So I'm not sure that you can interfere with a constitutional process, as as your question suggests. So, But... Uh, on the substance, it's uh, it's 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 obviously terrible. Yeah, I just wonder if it if it um, creates or generates um, a, a new set of charges potentially. Well, he's not well, in I, office, so I don't know. I don't think there's any stomach for a third impeachment. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't see that. I don't that. think I mean, it would work. <laughs> no, there's nothing to impeach. <clears throat> so, I guess technically uh, they could. Somewhere I read that one time, it goes back to the 1800s, that uh, the Congress impeached a federal judge who had died just to find out what had happened. I mean, the guy was obviously dead, but they wanted to find out there was some kind of a bribery scandal, and they went ahead with the impeachment as a means of finding out exactly what happened, but I, that's kind of a sidebar issue. I don't think they're going to... I don't. If the Democrats somehow manage to hold on to both chambers of Congress, I don't think they're going to use what no. remaining political juice they have on going after Donald Trump. I just no, don't I don't think so. I don't think No, so. and I don't think the Republicans are, 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 is, is going to reestablish his credibility as the Republican Party in charge of Republican views and Republican controls and influences and so on. It's just out there not co-joined with anybody else. Yeah, I, I think that what the Republicans are going to do is they're going to try to appeal to the Republican base without explicitly defending things like what you just said, Tom. Is, is it just me or does Donald Trump seem to be losing his grip on the that, that, that's, that's my perception, too. He just seems a few more Republicans here. They're at least stepping aside, not quite denouncing him or anything, but sort of... Sort of moving away in a very uh, uh, sort of hesitant sort of way. But I, 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 I get that feeling that the, 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 the appeal may be fading. 
Yes, but also there are Democrats and independents that cling on to President Trump. And it, it, those are not all Republicans, guys. That's, and that's he true. is still a formidable candidate. Well, yeah, he still feels he still has these, those big rallies. Yes. Apparently, yes, he is. Uh, that's true. Well, and we, he's he's got a strong base, but you know he did call Putin's move into the Ukraine brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I, the, some of his statements on, on the Ukraine is bizarre. <laughs> I would think that that if nothing he else. Basically, is he basically sort of corrected that by saying he wouldn't have done it if I had been there. I mean, he did. Right. <laughs> All right, we got a break. We'll be back with the X-Files right after this. Thank you, guys. right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan.
Honey, it's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we uh, roll into the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. My favorite segment, The X-Files, where we talk about those weird and wacky stories that are getting more and more like the uh, everyday headlines. Um, Ellie, a pot-bellied pig, snuggles up to Wyvern Flat when he watches TV and sometimes rolls over to let him pet her belly. The 110-pound pig is family, Flat says, an emotional support animal who helped him through a divorce and the death of his mother. Officials in his village in upstate New York see it very differently. To them, the pig is a farm animal. Flat is harboring in the village illegally. The case could soon be headed to a criminal trial, but it has already caught the attention of pig partisans who believe the animals (laughs) should, should be respected more as companions instead of just a food source. In 2019, a family in the Buffalo suburb of Amherst were not allowed to keep a pot-bellied pig named Porkchop. They said was an emotional support animal for their daughter-in-law. An Indiana woman was told in 2018 to get rid of her emotional support pig for similar reasons. Although people in the United States have been keeping smaller pigs as pets for decades, their advocates say they're still viewed by some people as little more than livestock. As much as I love bacon, would having a pet pig be akin to playing with my food? (laughs) I I was going to say, on the other hand, here in Flint, Michigan, we had a pig run for mayor a couple years ago. That's right. (laughs) Yes, we did. Was it, what was the name? Piggles? Uh, Giggles the Pig. I've forgotten who, who, yeah, who had it. Yeah, that's what it was. Giggles the Pig. He, and I recall the guy walked the pig down Saginaw Street as part of a campaign rally one afternoon and got some pictures taken, I believe. 
Well, let's see. Um, more than 30 people who ate at a Thai restaurant in Las Vegas this year have reported getting sick. The Southern Nevada Health District said Friday health officials are investigating what led up to what they called unusual illnesses. Patrons of the Secret of Siam restaurant located on Centennial Center Boulevard reported increased heart rates, blurred vision disorientation, loss of consciousness, and numbness or tingling within hours of being at the restaurant. A phone number for the restaurant, which has been closed since earlier this month, rang unanswered Friday. The, the health district is asking anyone who ate there in January or February to take a survey on its website. Las Vegas police also have fielded some reports of illness. The restaurant opened in 2019 and consistently passed inspection reports. Um, some customers have told local news outlets they suspect their food was tainted with THC, the compound in cannabis that produces the high sensation after seeking medical attention and testing positive for it. Is THC in Thai food um, the, cannabis, the cannabis version of tying one on? Oh, <laughs> clever! <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, these are all uh, kind of food-related, I guess. A new perfume from the Idaho Potato Commission. Yes, you heard that right. Purports to give off the aroma of French fries in all their greasy, salty splendor. Dubbed Frights by Idaho, the limited edition fragrance was going for $1.89 per 1.7-ounce bottle on the commission's website before selling out. A giveaway promising more bottles of the Tater Spray ends Sunday. The fragrance, which the commission says captures one of the world's most irresistible scents, is made from oh. distilled Idaho potatoes and essential oils. The, the, the commission cited a recent national survey by the firm Polefish that found nearly 90% of Americans find the smell of French fries irresistible. <laughs> Does that give new meaning to the question, want some fries with that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm more of an onion rings guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of onion rings. But fries too. do have an irresistible well, that is true. smell. Well, we've got, uh, that actually wraps things up for uh, the X-Files and today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Before I before I sign everybody off, um, any final thoughts? we got three or four minutes left uh, before the end of the show. I just want to thank Mark Everson for always being a great guest with a lot of knowledge. He's been there, he's uh, seen it, and he can bring those ideas to our own people. Yep, I second that, Henry. It's a great, great addition, particularly now as we're talking about the Ukraine and some yes. of these foreign policy issues, a lot of great insights. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I've already told you more than I know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was not part of Biden's speech last night. 
<laughs> you, I told you more than I already know. I, I like that. Anyway, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on, and I always, I find when I do this, uh, the, the discussion, it, it can meander, but it always has a high level of sort of, of there's a certain rigor in there, even though it's informal. And and um, I find it very useful to me. I always reflect after these conversations, and it helps me uh, further how I think about things. So I enjoy doing it. But I appreciate thank your you. remarks. Yes, thank you. I, I always hope, and I appreciate it so much when I find people that that go along with the premise, as, Mark, you do every time you join us, and, of course, uh, Paul and Henry week after week, that it's possible to talk about different aspects of these things that we're seeing on television and, um, you know, in, in the media, um, that we can maybe not agree about everything, but we can talk about it reasonably and maybe learn something along the way. Correct. That's the point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the evolution of the conversation and then what you take from it when you when you uh, go off off the air, so to speak. Yeah, it's a transfer of ideas, uh, fertilizing ideas, building them and making them make sense. Right. You know, I've been exactly. so blessed doing this show because I have these amazing, you know, guests um, on the show that are that are brilliant and informed about all these different things and i you know i've i've had people say oh it's such a smart show and and i actually have had people ask me a couple times do you know everything and i'm like no <laughs> no <laughs> but well, i what you do, but what i you am do, curious is, about everything yeah what you do tom is you allow a real discussion to take place i've been interviewed by media numerous times and what will happen is sometimes You'll have somebody who'll do a 10 or 15 minute interview with you, and then they'll use seven seconds of, of what you say, and that can never be done in a way that gives fair treatment to, to really some of the nuance. And you try to develop the, you try to develop the facts at a, at a second or third level of detail, and that's important. That's a contribution. Yeah. You know, I found out something very interesting from a war correspondent um, that's. Uh, pushing a new publication that's that's being circulated in the U.S. called The Continental. Um, but he had just recently been in Ukraine. And one of the things that he said, and it, it was complete news to me, and I don't know that anybody else is even talking about it, is that um, uh, Crimea gets its um, drinking water um, from Ukraine. Mm. And that's a big part of why Ukraine wants, why Russia wants, why Putin wants to pull Ukraine back into the fold. Oh, very interesting. And, and, and mm. something we wouldn't even think about or wouldn't seem like a big deal. Yeah. But anyway, thanks, guys. It's It's been a real pleasure, as always. Mark Everson. Um, thank you so much for uh, for doing this, and I look forward to next time. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank and, you, Mark. And, of course, uh, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki, thanks to you. You better have a good evening. 
and also to uh, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, it's great to have you back this week. Thank you. All right, and that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.